Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Two of the biggest names in podcasting. Together, Sophia Franklin and Alex Cooper built a brand known around the world. But as fame, money and attention came their way, the friendship that started it all completely crumbled. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, hello, and welcome to our first part of a two-part series on Call Her Daddy. I am so excited. I mean, we need to say up front, out of all the scandals we've ever covered, maybe we have the most skin in the game when it comes to this scandal. Well, it certainly matter. (laughs) (laughs) There's something about two female podcasters talking about the scandalous nature of of another Mm. business duo because this was massive. This was so big. And I think it's a scandal that hasn't really stopped. It's one of the few scandals we've covered on Scandal where it feels like it's ever evolving. It happened years ago, but we still get remnants of it even today. It's not solved. I think they still breadcrumb us from time to time. I mean, for example, we're talking about Alex Cooper a lot at the moment because she's just launched her Unwell Network. She's just started a youth production company with her partner, Matt Kaplan. And when all of this was happening, Sophia Franklin (laughs) uploaded an Instagram photo. This was just like last week with the (laughs) caption, I'm well. I'm well. I mean, we're going to get into that exact drama in this episode, but that's exactly right, Zara. Sophia Franklin in particular wants people to talk about this. She wants people to think back to what happened four years ago and really critically analyse it or to just pick a side. I also think it is worth going back and and having a real think about how this was framed in the media, how we spoke about it, Mm. who actually got the greatest share of voice and whether that had a real impact on the narrative that we've all swallowed. There's a lot to unpack here. And I honestly think we should just (laughs) dive right in. So let's do it. Let's go back to not even that far. We're going to rewind to 2018. All right, Zaz. So there are a few important players in this story. In fact, for much of this, we're going to be talking about two women. Their names are Alex Cooper and Sophia Franklin. They are, of course, the two original co-hosts of Call Her Daddy. And the way they met was like a little bit convoluted and weird. Yeah, it was a little bit roundabout, but we'll we'll tell you the whole story. So sometime in early 2018, 25-year-old Sophia Franklin was taking an Uber pool in the city, in New York City, I should have said. Now, she was working a nine-to-five job in finance at the time, but she says she wasn't making a heap of cash. That's why she was using Uber pool at the time. She'd grow 
grown up in Salt Lake City but had moved to New York City for work. I mean, even if she was making pretty good cash, New York is one of the most expensive yeah. cities in the world. It wouldn't be surprising that she would use Uberpool to save some money. Now, for the record, Sophia's decision to get into a career in finance, she says, was purely financial. She was driven by money. She mentioned in an interview years later that she forced herself to study finance at college because she knew it would help her make good money. Yeah. On this particular ride, Sophia met a young woman who she became friends with. And no, that person wasn't Alex Cooper. But this woman did connect her with Alex Cooper after Sophia said she was actually looking for a new roommate. It's one of those moments. It's very sliding doors. Yeah. Two women meet in an Uber pool. One of the women introduces the other woman to the woman that would become her business partner out of nowhere. Now, at the time, Alex Cooper was a 23-year-old aspiring vlogger and influencer who was surviving off unemployment checks. And as for how she ended up in New York, well, she'd actually recently graduated from Boston University. She was studying film and TV. She'd actually competed as a Div 1 soccer player for the college team. Yeah. Now, Sophia and Alex immediately hit it off. They immediately became friends. So quickly, in fact, that on the very day they met, they signed a lease on an apartment together. So it was quick. In an interview years later, Sophia said, I'd known her for a total of four hours and we signed a lease to live together for two years. We were best friends right off the bat. We had an instant connection and crazy chemistry. I think this says a lot because they did have crazy instant chemistry, but it was a relationship that went from zero to 100. Well, it's like that saying, fast rise, fast fall. Yeah, exactly right. So in early March 2018, the brand new roommates travelled to Austin in Texas during South by Southwest. According to Sophia, she and Alex were hanging out at a bar having a chat over drinks when something quite interesting happened. We're going to play you a clip of her explaining it now. We were at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, and I remember we were like fucking around, we were drinking, we were at this bar, and we were just bantering. And by the end of the night, we had like a group of like 20, 30 people just like watching us talk and like listening to each other. Amazing. And I was talking about like getting DP'd and just like being <laughs> fucking outrageous, you know? So Sophia has since claimed that this was the moment that made Alex think that there could be an opportunity for them to take their friendship to the entertainment industry. Now, according to Sophia, she and Alex made a YouTube video together. It's since been deleted. And after they made this video, which didn't really go anywhere, a friend of Alex's asked her if she'd ever thought about making a podcast. Yeah, this friend, by the way, we don't know this friend's identity, but the story goes that this friend at the time was starting their own podcast network. So they had the equipment, they had the resources for Alex and Sophia to record the first four episodes of Call Her Daddy. This seemed super ad hoc, super chill. Like Super it 2018. It doesn't even sound like there was a contract. It doesn't sound like there was any formalities around this. It was just a person starting a network who had some equipment who was lending it. I think that's fair. The first episode of Call Her Daddy was uploaded on October 3, 2018. It was super casual, pretty candid, and a pretty raunchy conversation between Alex and Sophia, where they talked a lot about sexting and dating and their exes. Time magazine actually did describe the early episodes well. They wrote... 
Cooper and her then-roommate Sophia Franklin would swap raunchy stories and offer up judgment-free counsel to both men and women. They'd advise someone on how to catch a cheater and advise a cheater on how to get away with an affair. Yeah, here's a snippet of their very first episode so you can glean the vibe. When I was growing up, I was always, I felt socially, like, a little bit ahead of the curve. I always was, like, doing... Sutton, and I'm not saying, Mom, Mom, I'm not saying I was doing. <laughs> you need to leave your parents out of it. <laughs> yeah, right now. oh my God, please. I'm not saying that I was doing crazy shit. I just always felt like my friends came to me for advice because they thought I was like I knew what I was doing. When I met you, Sophia, and the shit that you brought to me, I'm like, no, oh wait, hold on, hold on. Me and my ex were just. Just doing like having sex. You're like, so my actually was telling me, so he wants me to fuck this guy. I'm like, hold the phone. Yeah. I mean, we even said in that earlier snippet from South by Southwest, they're talking about double penetration. They're talking about like super explicit things. And I think 2018 is a time when it feels weird to even say this now, but two women on a show was still kind of a novelty back then. Yeah, that was a novelty, but also. We weren't in a world where women spoke as openly as they do now about sex toys and self-pleasure and sex. And to have these two women get on mic and have a platform to talk or create their own platform Mm. to talk about sex in any way they wanted was completely revolutionary. I'll say as well, a lot of the stuff they said in early episodes was really offensive to a lot of people. Like this wasn't just sex positivity. This was incredibly explicit and at times incredibly on the edge of what was like acceptable to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's so interesting about starting a show like they did without anyone connecting them to a network because they didn't have to answer to anyone Mm. at the start. And so I think what that meant is they were incredibly edgy to say the least with what they were saying and some of that landed and some of it didn't. So edgy that Sophia Franklin's mother actually begged her to block everyone she knew on social media so that they wouldn't see the podcast and the kind of stuff that she was talking about. I mean she is from Utah she, yes. which is a traditionally very traditional conservative, conservative town, city. A hundred percent. Sophia has spoken about the anxiety that she felt about the podcast while still working in her finance job in those very early days. She said, I would walk into work sweating bullets. I remember there was this girl who was my co-worker and she sat in the cubicle next to me and she looked at me and was like, yo, there's this clip going around the office and I just want to let you know you should probably take it down. Otherwise, you're going to get fired from here. But I was thinking to myself, no, I'm going to be leaving here soon. Yeah, we're going to talk about this more, but it's probably worth at this point in the episode touching quickly on how the work was divided between Alex and Sophia in the early days of Call Her Daddy. According to Alex, she edited the episodes and controlled the social media accounts for the podcast, as well as taking control of the marketing for the show as well. According to Sophia... This was mostly true while Alex was doing those jobs. Sophia says her focus was on storytelling and writing jokes. I want to say that like straight up, Alex did a lot more work if that is what Sophia is admitting to. Completely. I know a lot of the people listening to this would have never made a podcast before, never have promoted a podcast before. For one person to be taking control of the editing, the social media and the marketing and the other person say they're just there for the storytelling predominantly, you're both there for storytelling. You're both hosts. Yeah. That is like 
an incredibly uneven division of labour. I also think in the early days of a show, I mean, I know this was our experience, when you're not building a business from it yet, there's actually not that much else to do beyond planning the show, editing the show, posting on social media and trying to push out the show. Mm. Like, I don't actually know if there's that much other work you can take. Later down the track, you can take on different roles. Mm. But at the start, that's kind of all you do, right? A thousand percent. Earliest numbers indicated that they were hitting a pretty decent audience given they were coming to this without a network. They were getting about 12,000 downloads per episode for the first few episodes, which I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty sizable. It took us a long time to get there. Yeah. And I think when you're coming to this without a huge, as you say, platform network or anyone else to push you, that is a pretty remarkable place to start. Now, the podcast downloads didn't stay in the tens of thousands for long, though. Years later, Alex claimed in an interview that three episodes in, this was the biggest (laughs) show in the world. I mean, that may have been a slight exaggeration, but I don't think by much. Within a few episodes... A handful of episodes, it was on its way to becoming one of the biggest shows in the world. Now, for her part, Sophia said years later that she and Alex couldn't walk around New York City without getting recognised from the podcast only three or four months in after their first episode. Yeah, and the truth is the growth of this show mostly occurred after our third character entered the story, a man named Dave Portnoy. Zara, who is Dave Portnoy? Yes, well, he was certainly one who was paying a lot of attention to call her daddy because he is the founder and the owner of the media company Barstool Sports. A little bit of backstory here. Barstool Sports was founded in 2003 and actually did begin as a print media company before moving online in 2007. It's pretty early 2007 to try and move the whole thing online. Yeah, it's now, smart. Today, it's a sports and pop culture website that's home to several podcasts, columnists, and media personalities and content creators. Yeah. Now, just for context, the vibe of Barstool Sports has always been and still is extremely broy. Their headquarters is based in New York City, and it's actually also where Jenna Marbles got her start as a content creator creator. So if you have listened to our Jenna Marbles YouTube episodes, then you will know this already. Dave Portnoy is a very fascinating character. Yeah, exactly right. Now, according to Alex, she knew of Dave Portnoy from the New York social scene, but they weren't actually friends per se. And funnily enough, Alex had actually been featured on Barstool in 2017. So the year before they launched their podcast. In a good example, I think, of what kind of content Barstool were known for. The website published an entire news piece about how hot she is when she appeared in public on a date with another athlete called Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, I've read this piece. It was basically like, look at Noah's hot girlfriend with like a bunch of photos from her Instagram. And then Barstool's the kind of publication that will then share Alex's Instagram photos of her in a bikini on their Instagram. And then the comments become a cesspit. It's just like, it's that kind of energy. After the fourth episode of Call Her Daddy went live, Dave Portnoy apparently DM'd Alex about working with Barstool on the podcast. Alex later said she took several meetings with Dave and Barstool by herself to discuss working with the company. From what Alex has said, 
it seems like Dave was initially interested in working with Alex more than working with Call Her Daddy as a duo. Yeah, that's definitely the narrative that's been fed to us, for sure. According to Alex, Dave and I talked about coming to Barstool with Call Her Daddy, me vlogging and also just coming along as a personality and doing things at Barstool, and I was so excited. Now, importantly, Alex has said that this is when she told Dave that Call Her Daddy was a package deal. It was Alex and Sophia. According to Alex, Dave was perfectly happy for Sophia to be brought into the deal as well, and so it was done. Call Her Daddy was signed on by Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports, and Alex and Sophia officially became full-time employees at the company. Yeah. Now, thanks to later events, we actually know the exact terms of the original Call Her Daddy contract with Barstool. So we're going to run you through the details of this contract. Now, it was a three-year deal. Alex and Sophia were coming on as full-time employees with a salary of $75,000 each for the first year. It would then be bumped up to eighty-five dollars for the second year and hundred dollars for the third year. This contract also allowed for a pay negotiation at the end of each year. So I find it interesting they're even bothering to kind of lay those salaries out and then they're saying, oh, but we're also going to talk about this anyway. Well, I can kind of understand if they weren't improving or getting more successful that it had been laid out Mm. but that clause is there in case they exploded Mm. as they did to sort of say of course within reason we can fix this now significantly as part of the contract with Barstool the media company owned all the rights to the intellectual property surrounding the call her daddy brand this will come up a lot mm, later, the IP. the IP of this show. And all it comes down to is who actually owns the branding of this show. They handed it over to Barstool as part of this contract. Alex wrote a blog post for Barstool once they actually inked the deal, which ran with the headline, how did two blow up dolls land a Barstool deal? As we said, very much the vibe mm. of both the time and the media company. It read, how did a D1 athlete and an economics major who quit her job on Wall Street end up at Barstool. Well, Barstool liked our idea of uncensored, real female locker room talk, which quite frankly is just as nasty as guy locker room talk. And we had no problem exploiting our experiences as well as ourselves for our listeners' entertainment. She went on, imagine being frat star Jimmy who can't make his girl come. No one wants to be that guy. Or imagine having no idea how to slide into her DMs after she likes multiple pictures. Shaking my head. I guess what we are trying to say is we don't have all the answers, but we do have the perspective most of you don't have access to, the female perspective. We won't be for everyone. If you hate it, you can ignore it. But hopefully we'll keep with the Barstool mission in making a few people laugh. Now, as part of their contract with Barstool, Sophia and Alex also received bonuses of $2,500 per episode for every 10% of listeners above the show's average. Yeah, and keep in mind when we throw these numbers around, because there will be a lot of numbers Mm. today, these are all in US dollars as well. So they're not small numbers. Like that's not a small bonus to get if you're able to kind of increase your listenership. We know they did. 2,500 per episode. Yeah. That's actually pretty insane depending on how many episodes you're doing a year. Yeah. Now, I think the question at this point is just how big was Call Her Daddy in the early few months? Well, by December 2018, Call Her Daddy had only released 13 episodes but had garnered over 10,000 reviews on iTunes and had averaged a rating of four and a half out of five stars. As per the New York Post, it was a top 10 mainstay on the iTunes comedy chart at this time. And remember, this was just after 13 episodes. 
insane. After 13 episodes, I think we were still raving word for word of our scripts. Oh, my God. Uh, to only have released 13 episodes but have 10,000 reviews, that's beyond any podcast I can That engagement, the level that people feel invested in you is crazy that early. Oh, my God. According to Barstool Sports CEO Erica Nardini, call her daddy grew from 12,000 downloads to 2 million downloads per episode in just a couple of months. Yeah. And it was a cult fave. As we said, we spoke to that engagement point before. It became this cult podcast. I mean, in 2019, two college students attempted to summarise the popularity of the show for the Queen's University Journal. They wrote, hookup culture is more common than ever before, especially on the university scene. But instead of hiding behind closed doors and whispering about it, hosts Alex Cooper and Sophia Franklin normalise female sexuality head on. Call Her Daddy proves old stereotypes wrong. Women aren't just emotional relationship seekers who prioritise cuddles, flowers and chocolates. It's possible for them to look at sex as something fun and casual, not just meaningful. Breaking the ice on uncomfortable topics is how meaningful conversations take place. Mm, Now, obviously, best friends Alex and Sophia had a lot to celebrate at this point. The podcast was taking off quicker than anyone could have imagined. And life was peachy until Zara, the 2018 Barstool Sports Christmas party, which still has people asking questions even years later. Yeah. So it sort of seems at the 2018 Barstool Christmas party. And by the way, this is still only two or three months after they've launched the show. So Mm -hmm. this is all really, really fast. It seems that the celebrations got a tiny bit out of hand. In another Barstool Sports podcast, something called KFC Radio, in an episode released in December 2018, the hosts very briefly discussed an alleged altercation between Alex and Sophia that took place at the end of your party. Here's a clip from that conversation. From what I understand, there was a lot more to the story, and it wasn't like it wasn't like Alex and Sophia. They they may have had like a, a like an issue between themselves last night because that's what it, it ended up with. One of them leaving and one of them not. Oh, yeah, dissension. Oh, damn. Of all the things that could happen, two girls getting into maybe a drunk fight like that's not crazy at all. No. That happens all the time. All the time. By the way, we know this is weird. Like, listening to that, it is strange to think that under the one banner of Barstool, you have two women getting into some kind of altercation argument and you have fellow employees at the same company talking gossiping about, it about it publicly. And sort of letting anyone be the full guy for it if it's going to create drama and create headlines. Now, in case you kind of missed the summary of that snippet, basically what was being alleged was that while both Sophia and Alex were both allegedly intoxicated at that Christmas party, one of them was so drunk that they needed to be sent home in a cab. Mm. Now, the hosts also alleged that there was some kind of altercation between them. We're mentioning this now because this is where it falls in the timeline. Mm. And although we don't know much more about what this Christmas party situation was... It does come up years later. It does. And we have to leave it there. (laughs) We have so much more to cover, though, on this scandal. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, Zara, before we get into the next chapter of the Call Her Daddy story, we need to introduce a new character. He is a character who goes by 
the nickname Suitman. Now, for context, Alex and Sophia would talk very candidly about their dating lives on the podcast, but they would usually refer to the men in their lives by pseudonyms for privacy. In roughly March 2019, Sophia began dating a man that she and Alex would exclusively refer to on the podcast as Suitman. Yeah, I think it's worth remembering the name Suitman because he is also going to be important later. Lots of asterisks is in the story saying, just remember that for later. At this point in the story, we have to actually fast forward to 2020, right? Call Her Daddy had been producing weekly episodes with Barstool for around 18 months and it was going ridiculously well. The Call Her Daddy Instagram account had amassed over 1 million followers by this time too. Financially, Things were going better than their contract scheduled raises as well. Alex would later confirm that by the end of their first year at Barstool, she and Sophia had been given raises that already surpassed the $85,000 salary they were promised for their second year under the deal. Yeah, they were doing well. Now, as for Barstool Sports... Things were going really well at this time for them too. And that was largely thanks to Call Her Daddy and their listeners, the Daddy Gang. As per the New York Times, according to Erica Nardini, the CEO of Barstool, more than 35% of the company's revenue now comes from the company's podcast business and Call Her Daddy was a crown jewel. Yeah, everything seemed to be going swimmingly for Alex and Sophia until their podcast feed began to feature increasingly strange podcast idols which had nothing to do with the content of the podcasts. So this trend started on February 6, 2020 with an episode called Floops Fuglis. <laughs> in case you need reminding, that is the name of the children's TV show in the movie Spy Kids where the characters are being held hostage by the creator of the show. The theme song of that show says, Floop is a madman, help us, save us, when played backwards. Yeah, the following week's episode was called Prisoners of Azkaban and the week after that it was called SUPLE, which was S-U-P-L-E-H in capital letters, which is Help Us Backwards. These episodes were followed by three episodes titled It's Over, We Had Fun and Sorry for the Shit Show. As we mentioned at the top, these episode titles had nothing to do with the regularly programmed content within the episode themselves. So it was all a bit weird. Very weird. This strange trail of clues hinted towards the fact that something was very much amiss. And it all culminated with one episode, Zara, titled How to Keep Them Interested During Quarantine. At the beginning of this episode, which was posted on April 8, 2020, Alex and Sophia played a snippet of Kesha's song, Praying, and told the audience to, and I quote, interpret that how you will. In the description, so the show notes of the podcast, they wrote Kesha dot 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 the end, which was confusing but also concerning given what was happening with Kesha in the media at that time? Yeah, as most people know at this time, Kesha was stuck in a contract with Dr Luke who she alleged assaulted her several years earlier and the implication from Alex and Sophia then is obviously very dark with all of that in mind. Now, How to Keep Them Interested During Quarantine was the last episode of Call Her Daddy that featured both Sophia and Alex. The Call Her Daddy podcast feed went dark after April 8, 2020, breaking Call Her Daddy's weekly upload routine for the first time since October 2018. Yeah. On April 21, 2020, so a couple of weeks later, the Call Her Daddy socials were updated with a message from Alex and Sophia to their listeners. 
years. Now, keep in mind, the audience had not heard anything from these two since they went dark on April 8 and since they had all those cryptic episode titles. The message on Instagram read as follows. We are always 100% transparent with the daddy gang, but legally we can't speak out yet. What we will say is, we will never fucking leave you, daddy gang. The minute we can speak, we will. Hashtag free the fathers. On Twitter, so they posted this to every social media platform they were on. On Twitter, they received over 12,000 likes. Meanwhile, a hashtag free the fathers t-shirt was put on sale very shortly after the original message appeared on the Cool Her Daddy social. So this was everywhere. It was a movement. It was. Now, the Call Her Daddy podcast feed was dark until May 18, 2020, when a new episode finally landed. However, this episode was not from Alex and Sophia, but from Dave Portnoy. The episode title was Daddy Speaks. It's sort of out of a horror movie, clicking in, being like, woohoo, my favourite podcast is back. And there's just like this old guy there instead. It's the boss. Now, as you can imagine, There was a lot going on in this episode from Dave Portnoy. We are going to break it down blow by blow. I also quickly want to say before we do break it down, this felt, whether or not it was is another story, but this episode felt like a stream of consciousness. Yeah. It didn't feel as sort of mapped out as perhaps it could be. And so a lot of this got very confusing Yes, as it went. Dave Portnoy and mapping things out does not feel like two things that happen. Like this, Dave Portnoy's brain definitely comes across as a brain that is just scattergun. Yeah, like, you know, his brain is thinking faster than his words are. And and it was, I think, Eilish particularly, our researcher found this quite hard, is that at this point it became clear that a lot of the stories weren't aligning and won't align as the rest of this series goes on. But I think that's worth us putting (laughs) on the record from the start. Now, Dave Portnoy began this episode by acknowledging that both Alex and Sophia had not turned up to work for Barstool for five weeks. He said he actually wanted the girls to come back to the podcast and tell the story how they wanted to tell it. But because there was so much public discussion about what was going on, he wanted to give his own unbiased (laughs) take on what was going on. Unbiased is what he called his version of events. Now, he explained that the beginning of Call Her Daddy's relationship with Barstool was because he had seen a clip of Alex Cooper on Instagram. Now, he said he met with Alex Cooper one-on-one six to eight times after that to discuss working together. In those meetings, Alex apparently told Dave that she was the editor for Call Her Daddy, which impressed him. The quote from Dave went as follows. It's like, okay, this is not just some blonde uh, bimbo. This is somebody who's very smart uh, and I think could have a chance to do something big. So we finally reached a deal with Alex, and that's when we found out, well, Sophia came with it. Um, It's a duo, and we came to an agreement for both of them to sign contracts. Okay. What? The wording is just, yeah. Anyway, Dave then shared that during the negotiations of the original contract between Barstool and Call Her Daddy, there was some back and forth about the intellectual property of Call Her Daddy. He said they did have a lawyer and Alex didn't want to give over the name in the beginning. And Barstool, we said, we're not going to do this deal if you don't give us ownership of Call Her Daddy because it makes no sense. We don't want to blow you guys up and then just have you walk out the door and you want Call Her Daddy and we're left holding our dicks. We don't want to be in that 
that situation. And so they eventually came to the agreement that Barstool had the IP for Call Her Daddy. He said, we weren't going to do this deal if we didn't get the IP. So we got the IP. What I told Alex and what I tell every single person I sign here on the content side is, at the end of the three years, best case scenario, when you walk out that door, you're a huge star and you can renegotiate with us for a lot more money or your value is so great you can go somewhere else. That's the dream scenario. Yeah. Dave shared that approximately six months into the first year of the podcast, Alex approached him for a pay rise, which he gave to her because in his view, she was doing far more work. She was doing all of the editing and she was his go-to contact for the podcast. In his opinion, Alex was doing a lot and Sophia was, and I quote, just along for the ride. Dave did clarify, however, that Sophia had also received a raise, but Alex was getting paid more than Sophia at this point in time. And that Alex had approached him without Sophia there, behind her back, which is messy to say the least. As we said earlier in this episode, there's definitely something to be said if the workload is not equal. There is definitely something to be said about how remuneration needs to reflect that. Mm. But I think it says a lot about this dynamic for a business dynamic and the fruitfulness of it going forward if someone's going behind another person's back and not sitting them down saying, hey, look, I genuinely feel like I'm doing X, Y, and Z. What do you think about me being paid more than you? Yeah. Well, as you said, something is to be said and it's to be said to each other. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not to be said behind the other's back. No, not Speak at all. to each other. Exactly. But I think this says a lot about where this story is going. So at this point in the episode, Dave then started to explain the end of year one contract negotiations with Call Her Daddy. So it was sort of about the end of 2019. He said, we're starting to have contract negotiations with these girls for year two because we get it. They've made a shit ton of money. The podcast is gigantic and you can ask any of the 200 people who work here. If you have success, we're more than happy to renegotiate. There's nothing we like doing more than paying people more money because they're doing well. Yeah, he said that after the first renegotiation meeting, he received an email from Alex and Sophia that was, in his words, clearly not written by Alex and Sophia. It was written by a lawyer and it basically said, in lawyer speak, hey, we want to sit down and redo this deal. It said, we don't feel that we were represented properly when we signed with you guys and we would never have given you the IP if we had known better. Yeah, it's interesting to me that he has such an issue with this letter not being in Alex and Sophia's tone and being from a lawyer. Like, Mm. that's how business is done. He runs a 200-employee media company Company. and he finds it strange that people would want to lawyer up. Yeah, and communicate via lawyer speak. Because you can get yourself in a lot of damage if you're doing the negotiations by yourself or even doing the language by yourself Mm. and having a lawyer behind you. I think it speaks a lot as well to probably a lack of respect for Alex and Sophia as business people from the start to expect them to act like his children rather than people he's going into business with. Dave also revealed that at the end of year one, Alex had made $506,000 US and Sophia had made $461,000 US. So, so much higher than those $75,000 salaries that they'd signed on at the start. Dave confirmed that the podcast had done so well that Alex and Sophia had received literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of bonuses in their first year because they just kept beating their listenership goals. I find it fascinating that he revealed this. Like crazy. Amazing for our story. Oh my God, we have all the facts. But for a boss, imagine us sitting on a podcast and being like, so here's what our employees make. Yeah, it's crazy. Is that 
legal? Like, are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to just reveal? That feels like confidential information to me. Well, it's only confidential if you make it confidential and it's not. Like, you're the one who is engaging them in contracts. It's up to you, I guess. So Dave then explained that he got on a conference call with Alex and Sophia's lawyer with also Barstool CEO Erica Nardini and said that during this meeting, the lawyer laid out, call her daddy, and I quote, list of demands. Again, the way that it's framed is like, oh my God, they were just so demanding. A lawyer had a whole list here. As if, again, that is not how business is done. That is how business is done every day of the week. I get his point, though, that they did sign a contract the year before. And I understand that it's unfortunate that they didn't feel represented properly. But it would be a little bit frustrating to be like, that's not my problem. You signed this contract, you're making half a million a year. If you regret who represented you, sort of like I think they're well within their rights to try and renegotiate. It's also well within Barstool's rights to turn around and say no. But this point in the story I have no issue with. I think given the size of this podcast and that it was one of the biggest podcasts in the world, it was an anomaly. It's a total anomaly. And you're allowed to turn around and say, this is not working for me anymore, just as Barstool are allowed to turn around and say, I don't care. Dave alleged that these quote-unquote demands were that Alex and Sophia no longer wanted to be contracted as Barstool employees, but rather as freelancers. They wanted 50% of everything that Barstool worked on for Call Her Daddy. So essentially that meant they wanted 50% of merch cuts and ads. They also wanted to be able to do their own ads and sell their own merch without involving Barstool Sports. And they wanted the IP of Call Her Daddy back. In Dave's words, and what did we get in return? Nothing, (laughs) nothing. At that point, I cut off negotiations. I was like, this is fucking crazy. That's when they started the trail. They were shopping, call her daddy around, looking to go elsewhere, break their contract with us. Now our stance, my stance, Barstool's stance was, if you guys take call her daddy and go somewhere else, we're going to sue the fuck out of you. Like you're under a three-year contract. It's also really interesting to me because some people might be listening to that thinking, well, that is a long list of demands, but that is also how you negotiate is go in with like five things. And essentially, I reckon all they wanted was the IP and maybe one other thing. I think all that Alex wanted was the IP and one other thing. But yeah, I agree with you. You go in with six things and you're hoping to walk out with two to three. Yeah. That's how negotiations work. And Dave Portnoy knows that. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where Dave shared that he actually made a rogue decision that was slightly antithetical to his original attitude about the IP. But I think he was pretty desperate. Like it was COVID, Call Her Daddy wasn't running. Call Her Daddy was the crown jewel of his company and he needed to get them on air and would do anything to make it happen. So he said he made the following counter offer to Alex and Sophia. I sat and I thought about it. It's like these girls are going to walk, whatever. Let's see what we can do. So I offered this trade. Hey, we'll give you back Call Her Daddy and we'll give you new contracts, but we have the rights to alcohol. So when you leave the alcohol, call her daddy, is still owned by Barstool. You guys get, I think we said 10% originally of anything we do, and Barstool gets the rest. All the merch, all the IP, all the feed, everything goes to you. It literally, as I tried to explain to them just for that, millions of dollars waiting for them. That is a pretty massive offer. Yeah, it's pretty big. And basically all you need to know with this offer is that it appeared as though Dave was offering the IP of Call Her Daddy back to the girls as long as they fulfilled the rest of their contract with, and it kind of goes without saying here that they would have got higher salaries, but let Barstool own Call Her Daddy branded alcohol. Now, a bit of context here. In the past, Barstool had made bespoke alcohol brands tied in with some of their biggest content creators and podcasts. So when we assume... 
So so we can assume that when the alcohol is mentioned, it's a reference to this hypothetical call her daddy alcohol product. To me, this is not an outrageous offer. I think it's kind of not a bad offer. I know sitting here as a business owner, there is always going to be a part of you that when somebody else is creating a product that you have no ownership over with your brand, Mm. it's stressful Mm. and it's not like the greatest deal in the world and you'd have to sit with that. But I also know a lot of people who actually have their names on products that don't own them anymore. Yes. Who maybe did in the past or never did. And you would never know as a consumer who actually owns that product. I wouldn't personally want to do it, but I think if I was looking at this deal in this case, it would be a serious one to consider. Yeah. And look, Alex and Sophia had given away the keys to the castle. It's a huge mistake. One that we could have easily made, by the way, in the very early days of our career. It's a very easy mistake to make, but it's a colossal mistake to make to sell your IP or give your IP to someone else for 75 grand a year. All I've got to say, though, is it a colossal mistake? Because I guess the question for me is, would this show have ballooned in the same way without Barstool? If the answer is no then it was the right thing to do because they were never going to be able to get the deal off the ground without giving the IP. Or if we can sit here and say, no, we think Call Her Daddy could still have become one of the biggest podcasts in the world without Barstool, then yeah, it was a mistake. And I don't know. I I don't know. I I think they were being offered the keys back and that's like a that's a huge thing to suddenly score straight away that he's turning around and saying, I'll give it to you now. Absolutely massive. The thing that I probably wouldn't like, as I said, is like the imperpetuity nature of the Call Her Daddy branded mm. alcohol. Might want a time length on that one, but that's about <laughs> it. Now, Alex and Sophia did not agree to these terms. He offered up some figures here as to like why they didn't, what money he was throwing at them. But he then later contradicts his own figures. There was a lot of figures being thrown around in this episode that didn't really add up. The math was not mathy. It's probably clearer to just tell you at this point, Alex and Sophia were not happy with this offer. Dave revealed that after they rejected this offer, he sent a text to Alex that he had, and I quote, never dealt with anybody as unprofessional and disloyal and creepy as these two. (laughs) God, he did not hold back. He went on, I thought I had a good relationship with Alex and Sophia, but as everybody knows, they just stopped coming into the office. They just stopped doing their podcast. And then they have the gall to be like, oh, we're not legally allowed to talk about it. You can talk about whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Dave then went on to explain what has become a bit of a watershed moment in the Call Her Daddy universe, a rooftop meeting that he organized between himself and the two hosts. Dave explained that Alex reached out to him and asked if she and Sophia could come to his apartment and discuss the contract in person, which he agreed to. This is after they've been called greedy, they've <laughs> been called whatever, disloyal, some of the most unprofessional people ever. Yeah. He then explained that because of COVID-19 raging, he really wanted to get Call Her Daddy back on the air and get the revenue stream back up and running again. So on his apartment building's rooftop, he offered Alex and Sophia another deal. We're sitting down negotiating. It's the middle of Corona. And I cut them a deal that was so outrageously good in their favor that I thought we'd get something done. It was half a million dollar guarantee for each of them. An increase in merch. I think they were getting 7.5%, something like that. There were bonuses involved. And here's the kicker. Well, there's two parts. They had, tw- they had, I think, 18 months left on their contract. I said I cut six months off of it so they could leave in one year. And I would give them call her daddy. I would give them the IP. 
Dave explained the reasoning behind this offer. He said, I just wanted to get money for the next year in revenue stream going. I just wanted to get this fucking thing going so we could pay the bills when we were shut down and we have payroll. Without that, this deal would probably never have got offered. I thought they'd sign it there. I don't trust either of you, but I'm telling you, this deal is so good. I appreciate what Dave probably thinks in this moment is I am giving far more than I would ever intend in this moment. But there is a strange personalness to these conversations and to these negotiations where it's like, you need call her daddy more than they need you. They could go off and do whatever they want if they actually wanted to in 12 to 18 months. Like you are desperate for them and they know that. And at this point, they sort of have every right to sit back and just wait to see if you can give them what they want. The desperation does reek a little bit. Dave is coming into this stuff with desperation just seeping out of his pores. But it's interesting because what he's doing is instead of framing it as desperation, he's framing it as their greed rather than their legs to stand on. He claimed that after this offer, Alex and Sophia essentially disappeared. He said, after that meeting, a day goes by, two days go by, three days go by. We can't fucking get a hold of them. We can't get a hold of their lawyer. He won't return our calls. And that's when the controversy basically starts to unfold. (laughs) Then, before you've abused them over text message calling them greedy, Dave then claimed that Alex asked him if they could speak alone without Sophia. He said... I talked to Alex and she basically says, we're never going to get this deal done. Sophia refuses to get a deal done. I get it. This deal you just put in front of us is a no-brainer. I've been begging her to do it. I'm telling you, Dave, she's going to move the goalposts every time you concede. Yikes. All right. So this is where suit man, Sophia's boyfriend, re-enters the chat. Apparently, according to Dave, suit man was the person behind this entire renegotiation. Dave claims that suit man was the one who set Alex and Sophia up with their lawyer. As per Dave, this is what I believe. He was openly shopping Call Her Daddy. He was acting almost as a manager and he got a deal with Wondery. They're going to call the podcast The Fathers. And as Sophia would always say to me, they were prepared for a lawsuit. Yeah, because they would have got sued. Barstool yeah. would absolutely have sued them over this. Dave then alleged that Sophia, Suitman and their lawyer were planning to get out of a lawsuit from Barstool or a potential lawsuit from Barstool for breach of contract by suing them for other reasons. So they're already (laughs) prepping a countersuit. (laughs) Dave even alleged that they were planning to claim Barstool were discriminating against Alex and Sophia because of their gender in an effort to countersue and to get out of that potential breach of contract lawsuit. Yikes. Dave then shared that one spanner in the works for Sophia and Suitman was that Alex was not prepared to abandon the deal that he had put on the table in that rooftop meeting. The second Alex told me, I want to do a deal with Barstool, I don't think I can get it done with Sophia, I called Sophia and told her that. And I told Alex that I was going to do that. I said, listen, Sophia, Alex doesn't think we can get a deal done with you involved. I'm telling you right now, she's moving to do a deal with us. If you want to be at Barstool, you should move to get a deal with us. I didn't hear anything from two to three days from Sophia. Goose eggs. Nothing. And we start hatching a deal with Alex. This is where Sophia makes a really glaring mistake for me. Uh, Hearing this and not believing it and not chasing it down with everything she had. I still have so many questions. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the part yet where this all falls apart but so many questions as to how Sophia was left holding 
essentially nothing. Dave then noted in this episode that's still going (laughs) that the deal from the rooftop meeting was a clear 50-50 split between Alex and Sophia with neither of them getting paid more than the other. Then when the deal changed to just being Alex who wanted to stay with Barstool without Sophia, Dave explained that the split then became 75% of revenue going to Alex and 25% going to Barstool. Those stats are a bit confusing because it it doesn't mean the deal necessarily changed Mm. at all. It was a 50-50 split between Alex and Sophia, not a 50-50 split between Call Her Daddy and Barstool. But it did mean that if Alex was doing this by herself, she was getting a whole lot more cash. Dave then shared that he assumed the Wondery deal fell through as soon as it became clear that Alex was going to stay with Barstool. And he also assumed that Sophia wanted to come back to Call Her Daddy and to Barstool. But by that time, it was too late. He claimed he offered Sophia her own show with Barstool for half a million dollars and the resources to start her own brand with the company. But he said she never got back to him. (sighs) So Dave then alleged that Suitman, or Peter Nelson, fucking hates Barstool Sports and, I quote, was trying to manipulate the situation. So, I mean, he's essentially saying Sophia's not coming on board because her boyfriend's got in her her. head. Yeah, Yeah, got in her head. Then one final bombshell. Dave claimed that Call Her Daddy was making roughly 100 grand per episode and that's what Barstool was losing every week that the show was off the air. Also, he said it was his idea to sell those hashtag free the father's t-shirts because they weren't making any money on the podcast while the girls were on strike and he didn't know what else to do to bring in any cash. So evil, but like so smart. He's so... I think that's the thing. Dave Portnoy, I'm not saying I agree with his tactics. I don't agree with his politics. Is he a savvy, clever, creative businessman? Absolutely. Because we know now that Alex and Sophia got a really tiny cut of merch. So if all these people are coming out saying, oh, my God, I can support Alex and Sophia by buying Free the Fathers to free them from Barstool, Mm -hmm. they're not realising that all the money is actually going to Barstool. Barstool. (laughs) He's like Scooter Braun or something. Truly. He said, let's sell that merch and that'll make up, hopefully for the gap of you guys not working and losing the advertising. By the way, we didn't sell a ton of that merch, so it didn't really work (laughs) that way anyway. It's fascinating to me because I think, and we will talk about this in the next episode a lot, but the narrative of Sophia being manipulated or being controlled by her boyfriend was such a troubling one at the time, but it was an incredibly loud one. Yeah. Hey, and it was definitely one that Dave set up and that Alex confirmed. To later. use a, a sporting analogy, did he like tee it up and she smashed it yeah, out of the park? Yeah, like a goal assist or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you guys fill the blank. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where I had a, a lot of trouble consuming this story at the time. And truthfully, a lot of trouble even going back and doing the research on this because it's a really hard story to look at when you consider the key players here and how they were absolutely trashed by the media, even if they made mistakes. And you consider the mammoth amounts of money involved as well. Guys, in this episode, we obviously just heard Dave Portnoy's side of the story in the next episode Sophia speaks and then Alex does too but we'll cover all of that on next week's episode yeah a big thank you as always to our researcher Eilish Gilligan a big thank you to our audio producer Annabelle Lee that is all we've got time for today a big bumper episode we've got another massive one next week see you on Monday but but if you want to listen to it right now, oh, subscribe to Shane Moore. You can get it in your ears right this second. You absolutely can. Thank you so much, guys. We'll speak to you then. Bye.
Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.